Welcome to Improv Interviews. My name is Margot S. Scott, and I'm a psychotherapist and improviser in Naples, Florida. Improv Interviews are podcasts with improvisers from all over the world and therapists who are using improvisation in their clinical practice. Today we have a marvelous guest, Marshall C. Stern. Marshall is the author of Meet the Buddha, Kill the Buddha, and his wonderful classes and workshops on Zenprov are hit all over the world. I know you're going to love Marshall as much as I do. Hello, Marshall Stern. Hello, Margot Escott. Is that how you pronounce it? Yes, you're right on, spot on. Wow, wow. I just realized I had only seen it written. I've never actually heard it. Perfect, perfect pronunciation. So you're already Yay. the best guest I've ever had. It's fantastic. <laughs> All right, why don't we stop here then, since we're ahead. <laughs> <laughs> so you're an incredibly diverse human being. I mean, you're from the Northeast too, though, right? You grew up in yes, I am. Um, New York. In New York, and I grew up I'm in. I'm a New Yorker. I grew up in Jersey, but I spent ten years ah. in Manhattan, so I consider myself a New Yorker. All right, so you've been decodified then. Yes, I have been decodified, and I'm yeah, a social worker, and at a young age, you were teaching social workers, weren't you? I was. I was. I was involved at Adelphi University doing uh, role plays for social work students. That's so incredible. And yeah. did you pick up the guitar at the you know age of three? When did you pick up your instruments? <laughs> like Davy uh, Crockett, actually, you know. <laughs> right, that's right. I, actually, I came out of the birth canal with a guitar. Uh, <laughs> No, actually, I, I picked up my sister's guitar. My sister got a I have two older sisters. And my eldest sister uh, got a guitar. She played it for about five minutes and kind of gave up on it. And, and I got interested and uh, picked it up. And that's how I taught myself. I got a, an Alfred Basic Guitar Method book, learned chords. And I also had a Crosby, Stills, Nash & Young songbook and Pat Stevens. And wow. I used to go sit out on the, uh, there was a hill. Uh, in Queens, I used to go sit down at night because I was an insomniac. I never slept at night. I used to go out there on the hill and I'd learn all these songs and that's how I learned to play guitar. What great songs to learn too, my gosh. Yeah. Cat yeah. Stevens and Crosby, oh, yes. Stills, Nash and Young. Um, yes. In fact, I remember that I, I tried to teach myself guitar and I remember that instruction book. Um, but I, I started out a little earlier than you and I was kind of like into Ricky Nelson back then. So, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, wonderful. So you were doing several different things. You were a musician, mm -hmm. and you were you studied in, was it San Francisco at the kind of an, um, transpersonal? Uh, uh, yes, transpersonal psychology in the Bay Area. I was actually in Orinda, California. And um, not, not all of our listeners will know what transpersonal psychology is. <laughs> I'd be surprised if any of them did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, transpersonal psychology was some. I, I don't even know if it's still around, but, it, but at that time, and this would have been in the 80s, mm -hmm. uh, it was the idea of, of psychology that didn't only deal with uh, mind and body, but included spirit as well. So it was the idea of being a holistic form of psychology. So it's safe to say you've been on a spiritual path for quite a while. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When I was 18 years old, I had a visionary experience. And, and actually, I mean, you can go back even younger. I had a very weird experience when I was a child. Uh, we were in a bungalow colony, which is something, if you grew up in New York or that area, right, right. I don't know if they had it anywhere else, but it's the Borscht Belt. We had right. bungalow colonies. Yep. And we'd go up there for the summer. 
and I was up there and um, my sisters were watching me. I was asleep actually. And there was a woman over in the casino, which was, you know, pretty far away from where we were. And she ended up choking to death that night. And uh, at the same time, I woke up in my bungalow and I was saying, I'm choking and I can't breathe. So that was my first wow. kind of psychic experience. Yeah. And yeah, that was kind of the start of it for me. And, uh, you know, that was it. Wow. So I yeah. just want you to warn you, I've got a very bad shoulder right now. I do not want you to pick up on my pain. But rather okay. <laughs> continue, continue to send healing light. You know, it's. I feel yeah. so great talking to you. So relaxed. I just adore you, Marshall. This is. I think we've spoken <laughs> once or twice before this, and so Zenprov. Yes. In three words, no. <laughs> in three words, it is good. Yeah. <laughs> See, I did it. Uh, Zenprov occurred to me. I, I was. I was at. Um, Players Workshop at Second City, and Josephine Forsberg, who was one of the founders, actually was the founder of the Players Workshop at Second City, uh, which was the original training center for Second City. Mm -hmm. She was she was teaching a class, and Joe was just talking about all this stuff. And at, at the same time, I had just gotten into Buddhism, um, but I, you know, but as you know, I, I was also involved with spiritualism for a long time before that. Um, but everything she was saying, I'm listening, I'm saying, that's Zen. Yep. And, oh, that's Zen. Oh, that's Zen. And I realized after the class, I went over to her and I said, you know, uh, Joe, I just, you know, I, I can't help but notice that, like, everything you're saying is Zen. And she had no idea what I was talking about. But she, she actually uh, signed a book for me from, uh, oh, gosh, I just, I just blew through a blank. Um, well, what's his name? From San Francisco in the 60s. Ferenghetti? Ginsburg? Oh, no, I'm, I'm no, thinking no, no, of poets. No. Spiritual? Sp sp no, spiritual. Uh, I can't think of his name. He wrote The Wisdom of Insecurity. Uh, it'll come back to me. Anyway, um, she, he, she gave me his book. Uh, it's called The Watercourse Way, and she signed it to me. And uh, that's what got me started in thinking, you know, because I, I had an improv. I had grown up, you know, the rules that they teach you at first, you know, always say yes, right. uh, get out of your head. That was always the hardest for me, and, and I always saw people struggle with that. How do you get out of your head? Because if you try to get out of your head, you're in your head trying to get out of your head. It doesn't work, you know, or, or be present in the present moment. Well, that's great. How do you do that? Because that's nothing that you actually do. But that's what Zen training is all about. That's what Buddhism is all about. So I, I saw the, the connection. I, I realized that, that Zen and Buddhism would actually be a beautiful way to train people how to do these things in improv and be present in the present moment and, and find the, 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 um, the, the juice, find what's going on, be aware of uh, deeper levels and what's going on like with an audience, <clears throat> excuse me, finding the truth in the situation. So, that's what got it started for me. Uh, when I went back at the, that time, I was living in Nashville. I just came up and did a summer intensive in Chicago. Mm -hmm. And I was teaching at, at Nashville Tech at the college. I was teaching improv. And I started incorporating it into what I was teaching. And the results were just phenomenal. I bet. Uh, I, it was just, it was gorgeous. It was beautiful. And so we've been developing it for over the years. You know, I, I met Nancy that, that 
time when I was up in Chicago and we became friends and, you know, before uh, we were friends for several years before anything else happened, you know, you know what I mean? Yeah, 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 and, I get uh, it, I get it. Very yeah, proper, you yeah. were very proper, proper New Yorker. I was a It's <laughs> actually very funny because Nancy came down to visit me at one point and um, down in Nashville and I had this beautiful, this beautiful wooded park I used to like to go to and I, I took her there and we went there, I didn't think anything of it. But later on, we got to know each other better. She told me, and she was thinking, you know, he could dump my body here and nobody would know. I'm so glad you were thinking that way. <laughs> but anyway, so then I started to talk to Nancy about it, and, and uh, we both got very interested. And eventually, I moved up to Chicago, uh, became the director of the Plays Workshop Second City. And uh, we rewrote the curriculum based on Zenprov because I started teaching Zenprov in Chicago. And, um, you know, one thing led to another. And it was around 2007, I guess. Uh, we were working, I was the artistic director at this, um, this, this uh, comedy theater out in Naperville. Mm -hmm. And that ended, and, and we had, you know, we stopped teaching. We're both really missing teaching, we both love to teach. Mm -hmm. And that's just around the time I kind of became aware of this thing called podcasting. And yeah. I said, you know, why don't we give this a shot? Why don't we, you know, so we did, we, we did a podcast. It was very, you know, very, you know, you, we, you've heard our podcast. It's very yeah. basic, you know, basically set up a microphone and sit and talk for half an hour. Um, no, I think so they're, I think they're wonderful. Actually, I don't think they're basic. I think they're wonderful. I think the, well, the meat, the content is fantastic. I especially like the shout outs. When you start up again, I want a shout out. Okay, you'll get one. <laughs> I promise. I promise. <laughs> so anyway, so we put it out there and it was about three months before we heard back from anybody. So we had no idea. <laughs> we put this thing out there and no idea if anybody was going to listen to it or, you know, if they think it was crazy or what. Um, and just a certain certain segment of the improv community who really loves it, you know, that that's fine. That, that's good. Well, it's such so. an incredible melding blend with improv. It's the focus, yes. the attention, the listening, being here now. Yeah. I mean, there's so much that's so important. And I teach, I studied with Jack Cornfield years ago. And oh, so nice. I teach, um, you know, a kind of mindfulness and certain meditation techniques and we use them in the class and it really helps people i work with some special populations and so it really helps people to get grounded to get relaxed mm -hmm. and yeah. then to use it in their scenes so i was hearing a, i was listening to this three-part um i don't principle or what that i've heard in the past and it was on one of your podcasts i was listening to today and it was the idea of is it true is it authentic uh, and is yeah. it helpful that's the Buddhist test for right speech. You know, there's the Noble Eightfold Path right. uh, in Buddhism. That's basically, it's basically, uh, if you do all these things, you'll be happy. <laughs> it's really what Buddhism is all about. It's very practical. It's, you know, it's not about, you know, going off into the ether and, you know, the woohoo. It's very practical. And basically what it is, is, you know, if you live your life in a certain way, you're going to not only, you'll you be happy, everybody around you will be happy. And it's it, because it involves doing things that are right. And so his test for right speech, and it really applies to everything. Right. Uh, it's a threefold test. Number one, what you're about to say, it's, it's thinking uh, before you speak uh, and testing. Is, mm -hmm. your, is what you're about to say, is it true? If it is, go ahead and say it. If it isn't, don't. The second test is what is your intention in saying this thing? Is it a good intention? 
do you really want to help? Or is there, you know, because sometimes we say something and it can kind of sound helpful, but there could be a little bit of a, a hook in there, you know. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. really looking at that carefully and saying, is it really, do I have a pure intention here to be helpful? And again, if it is, yes, go ahead and say it. If it isn't, don't. And then the third thing, and this is the one people rarely consider, is it the right time? Or another way of saying that is, is the person I'm saying this to, um, am I asking somebody, uh, you know, in a wheelchair to get up and dance? Right. Am I asking somebody to do something they cannot do? Right. You know, am I giving somebody information they can't use that will only hurt them? And that's the thing that we really don't think about much. You know, if I say to somebody, you know, hey, listen, you have this problem, but they can't understand what I'm saying. I'm not doing them any favors. I'm hurting by doing that. Right. Even though I could, it could be true and I could have a really good intention, the, the, the reality of it is it's not a good thing to do. So that's the third test. So is it true? Is my intention good? And is it really likely to help? That's it. So how, you know, Buddhist sayings and psychology terms are so prevalent in our society. They've just, yeah. in everywhere. And in 12-step programs, which I'm a member of almost every group, I go to the podium and say, I'm Margo, I don't gamble, and I cover my bases. There's an expression you hear a lot, um, and they say, does it need to be said? Does it need to be said now? Does it need to be said by me as a precaution against speaking unkindly or regrettably? Is it a 12-step thing? Yeah, it is a 12-step thing. We hear it in the rooms. Does it need to be said? I love love 12 steps. It's uh, steps is so beautiful. They really, there's so much wisdom there. It's incredible. I think it's like 80 years old or something, and yeah. the lives it has saved has just been phenomenal. Of course, the portrayal yeah. on TV and media is often out there, but that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> so one of the things that not everybody knows about Howard Marshall St. Stern. <laughs> Howard please, Stern. Yes, please, you're referring to my unfunny uh, cousin there. Uh, <laughs> is he your cousin? No. <laughs> oh, good, 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 good. No relation. Okay. Uh, no relation. Is that you have a friend named Bob Newhart? Can you talk about that a yeah. little bit? <laughs> Speaking of being related to comedians, yes, uh, yes, I had a heart transplant two and a half years ago. Wow. And uh, the first thing I said when I was when I was somewhat sane because I did get some some post-operative psychosis. That was a lot of fun. Tell you about that another time. But uh, I said I, I introduced people. I said I'd like you to meet my new heart. His name is Bob, and it's Bob Newhart. <laughs> that's great and then you went through something this summer again too though didn't you i have been yeah boy i I, this has been a real the past few years i'm trying to still trying to figure out what this is about uh has been a real challenge health-wise uh the part event luckily everything's been going great i you know uh, we acquired land but they're clearing land this summer so uh physically in terms of that respect i'm fine but i developed something called Meniere's disease Mm. And it's uh, it's a disease of the inner ear, and you get dizziness and vertigo, and uh, it's boy, it's not a lot of fun. But I did have some surgery uh, behind the ear, something called sac decompression surgery, and that has helped the attacks. So, oh, I'm ha- I'm so happy to hear that. That's fantastic. So your book came out, Meet the Buddha, Kill the Buddha, in 2016. So okay. you were. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. 2016 was the second edition. Oh, I'm sorry. I had the second That's edition. That's okay. 2000, so it came out before your heart transplant. Oh, yeah. Oh, great. Yeah. So it's a fantastic book. I, mean, I think it's I one think. of the clearest, simplest 
books to read Understanding Concepts and Philosophies of Buddhism. It's just a beautiful mm -hmm. book. So can you talk a little bit about that process and how it sure. happened? Yeah. Sure. Uh, I've been, you know, I, I kind of talk about it in the book, um, which, by the way, is available on Amazon. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> plug, plug. Um, and basically, I have been, my whole life, I've been trying to understand um, uh, truth with a capital T. Right. You know, what, what is, a, a, you know, a Buddhist would call it the Dharma. But for me, growing up, it was truth. What is true? What is reality? What's going on here? And at a, again, at a fairly young age, I got, I had this incredible moment where I understood who and where God is. And it was so funny to me because uh, I, I don't know that I can transmit it to other people, but it's, it's God is hiding in plain sight. Um, it's the most obvious thing in the way. It's the thing that you know the best that you are most intimate with. And there was just this moment where I got it. It was hilarious to me. So uh, <laughs> I, mean, I just started laughing. It was the funniest thing. And I kind of forgot about that. And then years later, uh, when I was 18 years old, I, I had uh, an experience. I was driving home with, uh, I had been working on a crisis intervention hotline. And um, within the group that was around me, they were all into Mayor Baba, which was. Um, I know Mayor Baba. You know Mayor Baba. Okay, oh, cool, yeah. Cool. <laughs> Mayor Baba, by the way, if you look on the original Tommy album, The Who, uh, he says on the album, it says Avatar Mayor Baba. So right. Pete Townsend was a big Mayor Baba Absolutely, guy. yeah. Yeah. So anyway, so, so they're into Mayor Baba, and at that point in time, I was Mr. Science, Mr. Skeptic. I didn't buy any of this, you know. I figured, you know, I'm from New York, so, you know, everything right, is, right. you know, you got to be skeptical. So anyway, I'm being driven home by one of these guys, and and uh, he was older than me. He's in his mid twenties, which at that age, you know, when you're 18, mid twenties, right. he's an old guy already. Um, and he had finished his psychology degree except for one course, and he kept putting it off. He kept getting incompletes, and he's delivering pizza. And I said to him, I said, I said, uh, I'll change his name. I said, Julie. What, what, what are you doing with your life, man? Why don't you, why don't you go ahead and get one stinking course, finish it, and you can be a psychologist. They're delivering pizza. And he turned to me and he said, well, when when God wills it, I'll do it. And I just got, for the first time, I used to like make fun of them and like I'd make jokes because that's my way. But I got really angry. For some reason, I got so insulted. And I just let him have it. I was like, what a bunch of crap. And, you know, I'm cleaning this up a little bit. But, you know, he just laid it out. And I said, there is no God. And at that exact moment that we were parked on, I think it's 47th Avenue, facing downtown Flushing, the lights from Shea Stadium are on. And all of a sudden, I felt like something smacked me in the middle of my forehead. I felt my, my head open up. And everything just melted away, and I saw what was underneath all the concrete and all the stuff, mm -hmm. and it was this beautiful, incredibly gorgeous paradise, this garden. And I understood in that moment that that was the truth that lives underneath all this concrete and stuff, which to me is a metaphor for lies. Mm -hmm. And and I understood that like it's why the, the pavement always has to be repaired. It's just like lies. Mm -hmm. Lies take constant effort. You got to keep them going. But the truth just is. And if you if you if you just wait, the truth rises up. I mean, grass 
grows up through the concrete. You can't stop the truth. That's the way that it goes. So I understood that in that moment. And that, that to me, formed my basic understanding of everything. Um, I, I, how did I get started on this? What was I talking about? <laughs> spiritual experience. You know, it's like the experience, you know, if you're familiar with AA at all, Bill Wilson had a spiritual experience at Townsend yes. Hospital in New York on the Upper East Side where the uh -huh. same kind of phenomena help, help, you know, it's beyond an aha experience. It's a profound, yeah. life-changing experience. Yeah. And I'm so glad you had that, Marshall. Yeah. I'm really I, glad. <laughs> I, well, it lasted for a year. I kept seeing things. And then finally, I remember I was sitting on Ocean Parkway in Brooklyn one uh -huh. day, and I was just tired of being weird. <laughs> you know? I kind of wanted to be like everybody else. So yeah. I prayed. I said, take this from me. And so I stopped having the visions every day, um, but that left me kind of bereft and really wanting to understand it. I, I, wanted, I, I had a sense then, an inner sense of what is truth. And that's when I started really looking at different religions and different beliefs, and I found some truth in every, everywhere I looked, but it always kind of fell short because there was the dogma. And the right. dogma for me was never true. It was always, no, if, I got, if you're telling me I got to believe something that doesn't feel right, no, the answer is no. And it really wasn't, it was years and years and years of looking, and I, you know, it's Christianity, right. you know, Judaism, uh, Course in Miracles, uh, you know, other weirds of vision quests, you know, this kind of stuff. Really, everything, <laughs> yes, yes, we, everything. We, we've traveled a similar path, my friend. I'm sure, I think this is the path everybody follows. Well, I, for me, it was Buddhism. Yeah. When, I, when, I, when I found Buddhism, I said, oh boy, here it is. It works for me, you know. So. It's a, such a simplicity on so many levels. And yeah. really, you know, I think we're all on a spiritual path, but some of us are going down the wrong path <laughs> or the wrong address. And You know, I, I'll tell you, I wrote a song many years ago called All Roads Lead Home. I don't think there is a wrong path. I, I think that, that everybody follows the path and gets the lessons that they're ready for. You know, I, I had a, I had a thing with a friend once and that is how I learned this lesson. He was a you know fundamentalist Christian. And of course, you know, I had to prove that he was wrong because you know, I'm Mr. Right. It was, mm -hmm. it was idiotic. And I sat there and with impeccable logic tore all of his shredded, all of his beliefs, and in the end, I, I saw this man sitting there, and I realized what I had. I had done something very cruel. He was sitting there, and he was terrified. Mm -hmm. I left him with nothing. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I reversed course and started, like, adding things back in. And I learned at that moment, you know, everybody is doing the best they can where they are. Right. So. Absolutely. Yeah. So, right. So, I think I spoke to you earlier about that your book has uh, turned me back on to koans and cones and koans and yeah. using them in my classes. And I wondered as, as we get near to the end of this interview today, Marshall, if you can think of one that might be appropriate to what we've been talking about, spiritual uh, awakenings and awareness. Sure. What well, you talked about, I have in my book, I, I actually wrote some, um, you were yes. talking about the one with the waves, yes. and I, I love that one. That, that, that's one of my favorites. I, and basically, it's the idea that you know, out in the in the ocean, the ocean is perfectly calm um, because this is where we come from. This is this is our true nature, like perfectly calm mirror kind of lake. But so I use the ocean, and 
then there's a little wind that comes and it starts a little ripple and the ripple starts to grow and the wind grows a little bit more and before you know it the ripple becomes a wave and the waves start traveling they start moving and after a while the wave becomes aware of itself as a wave and something separate from the ocean because it's a wave it's something it has its own distinct identity and it just keeps traveling and it it picks up things as it goes within this wave it, all sorts of life moves through it and plankton and, and and all sorts of things moves through it and it acquires all these things and has memories of all these things and it gets a sense of who and what it is and it starts moving and then and at a certain point it sees up ahead it sees waves ahead of it it sees them crashing into something it, it, there's an island up ahead so it, it keeps going and as as the the floor of the ocean gets shallower and shallower it becomes larger and larger above the water it starts standing up taller and taller starts thinking it's something great and it comes closer and closer to the island and finally it's it's the next one and it crashes onto the island the wave disappears and as the water starts receding from the island back into the ocean it has a realization it says ah i am the ocean I love that. I love yeah, me too. Beautiful. Me too. Yeah. Well, I uh, hope everybody that's listening to this and, and their friends go out and buy your book, uh, Meet the Buddha, Kill a Buddha, and get yes. some of this wonderful wisdom from you, Marshall Stern. And Yay. you've uh, really created a wonderful genre, if I can use that pronunciation, genre. Sure. And you're sure. going on a mighty uh, sea cruise for the rest of the year. That's right, yes. That's where I go and teach, yes, over in Asia. What a beautiful life. And people who are your students are very, very blessed and lucky to have you as a teacher, really, honestly. Thank you, Mark. Thank you so much for your time today. And I hope we actually meet sometime, somewhere, someplace, in real, real person place. Absolutely. Well, you know, we are building the retreat center. I know. So at Nancy some point, you'll have to come up for a retreat. Yes, I'd love to. My gosh, would that be great? Absolutely. Yeah. I send you love and light, my friend, and thank you so much for being with us today. Thank you, Margo. Love and light to everybody. Bye. Bye. Okay. So, can you go back to where we wanted to stop it? Did you, were you able to mark it or something?